Welcome to Bible Answers with Philippians 1-9 Ministries. You're listening to Patrick O'Brien. Today we're going to look at a passage in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8. Now this verse is frequently taken out of context today by many different types of individuals trying to use it as a proof text to promote some sort of strange doctrine, some sort of unbiblical practice. So we want to make sure we can look at this verse and understand it in light of Scripture. So let's go ahead and read verse 8 of Hebrews 13. It says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, what is commonly used by people taking this verse out of context is that they're trying to say, because Jesus, because God did a thing one time, that he was always going to do that thing forever. Now, we have to remember that a text out of context, isolated from all co-text, is a pretext for whatever you want it to be. When it comes to interpreting scripture, we have to allow scripture to interpret scripture. We have to look at that passage, that verse, in light of the book it's written in. And then we have to look at it with all the other passages in Scripture that are teaching on that same subject to come to the proper biblical conclusion for what God's Word has to say. Now, when it comes to this Scripture, many people will try to say again that because God has done something one time, that He always has to do it that same way. Now, Jesus is unchangeable, yes, in His nature, in His divinity, his deity, and his eternality. Jesus is always God. Never was he not God. But what does change is his person. So let's look at that. Until his incarnation, for all eternity past, he existed in the form of God. And you can reference to Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Jesus existed in the past only in the form of God. But at his incarnation, that changed. He didn't cease to be God, but in addition to being God, he added to himself the human nature. God added to himself humanity at that moment of incarnation. So, what that means is now his person has changed. The second person of the triune Godhead, the Son of God, now is not just simply God, but he's also God-man. He's fully God and fully man. That means he became a mortal man, a natural man who's now subject to hunger and thirst and fatigue and weakness and, of course, subject to death. But again, after his resurrection, his person changed again. He's no longer the mortal God-man, but now Jesus is the immortal God-man. He's no longer subject to hunger and thirst and death. So therefore, in his person, he has not been the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now we have to also look at another aspect of this, and that is in his program. That means what God does, what Jesus does. Now, those who try to take this verse out of context are trying to say that because Jesus did a certain thing in the Gospels, he always has to do that same thing. But even within the Gospels, he didn't always do everything the same way. Not all the healings were the same way. He didn't even teach in the same way. After Matthew 12 and 13 there, we see he switches. After the 
the the Israelites reject him as the Messiah, we see now he begins to teach in parables. So even that changes. His program changes. Even here in the book of Hebrews, he shows a change of program. In the past, blood sacrifices were necessary, but now they are no longer necessary, and thus the program has changed. Even in Hebrews chapter 11, it shows that Jesus didn't always deal with every saint the same way. Some were saved from death and fire and lions, while others were, in fact, tortured to death. However, both of those who were saved from death and those who were tortured to death were exercising faith, and therefore both of those groups are commended for their faith in chapter 11. So in his program, Jesus has not been the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does remain the same yesterday, today, and forever? It's his deity, his divinity, his nature, his eternality. And we can also reference Micah 5 too, speaking of Jesus, whose going forth is from old, literally from everlasting, proving the eternality of the Son of God, which the book of Hebrews elaborates on quite extensively. In fact, I've created a 20-page PDF track for you that goes through the different scriptures and proves by the scripture the deity of Christ and the triune nature of God. There's 20 pages that are available to you for free. They're taken out of our online Bible college and are made available to you. And I'll provide a link for you to be able to access and download and print those below this teaching. But what this verse in verse 8 is in, in chapter 13 is teaching us is the divinity, the deity, and the eternality of Jesus. But it's also showing us here in context that Jesus will provide a, a victory, a spiritual maturity, even in the midst of persecution for those who are exercising faith and patient endurance. That is unchangeable and is still true today. Just as it was for those in Hebrews chapter 11, it remains the same for us today. Now, in verse 8, we have to also realize it cannot be used as a, a proof text verse to prove that God will always heal, claiming that uh, because Jesus did something at one point that he healed people in the past, he always has to heal us today. Jesus did not always do the things the same way, even within his own lifetime. Biblical healing happens only by a sovereign manifestation of the Holy Spirit and ultimately as God wills. Paul's own thorn in the flesh remained unhealed in 2 Corinthians 12.9. Paul indirectly admits that he had no ability to heal Aphroditus in Philippians 2.27. In Timothy, we see uh, the same thing in 1 Timothy 5.23 or Trophimus in 2 Timothy 4.20. Now, we should still always draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we might receive mercy and find grace and in in help in our time of need, as Hebrews 4.16. But just because God heals somebody doesn't mean he's always going to heal everybody. That should be obvious to us just by being alive. And just by reading Hebrews chapter 11, not everybody is speared 
their physical life. And at the same way, we should not take this passage to try to say that just because Jesus kept different laws of Moses, that we should as well. And that's the other side. There's really two sides of this passage that people try to use as a proof text. One is that because in Jesus' ministry, he did healings and he casted out devils. Therefore, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we have to do the same and heal everybody and cast out devils. Well, first of all, you, I, we are not Jesus. And second of all, we do not follow everything Jesus does. We don't spit in dirt and take a blind man and make him see. We don't go walking on water. We don't go on the cross and take the wrath of God. We are not Jesus. That should be obvious, but it's worth pointing out. Now, there's also those, again, that try to say, well, Jesus was keeping the Sabbath, or Jesus was under the law of Moses, and therefore we should imitate Christ and be under the law of Moses as well. And that's a little bit more subtle. That's a little bit more uh, deceiving. That's a trick that the Judaizers used in the beginning of the first century, and that's a trick that they use still to this day, commonly referred to as the Hebrew Roots Movement or uh, legalistic Sabbatarians. They try to put you back under the law of Moses or try to tell you you have to keep the Sabbath day. You know, Galatians 4.4 tells us that God sent forth his son, made of a woman, born under the law to redeem them that were under the law. Jesus was the only person who kept it perfectly. People who try to prove that Christians need to keep the Sabbath make an issue of Jesus being our example and therefore suggest that we should imitate Jesus in every single thing. But we have to look at this critically. In fact, right here in the same book, the book of Hebrews, we see in Hebrews 8.13 where it says, when he said a new covenant, he made the first obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to disappear. In Hebrews 7.12, for when the priesthood is changed... Of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. And that has to go in teaching now uh, the different priesthood, a better better this, a better that. All through the book of Hebrews is pointing to Jesus, is pointing to us being under the law of Christ, a new law, which is for believers, as Galatians 6.2 shows us, the law of Christ or the, the law of the spirit of life, Romans 8.2. It's a totally new law, completely separate from the law of Moses. And yes, the law of Christ contains all the commandments that are applicable for the New Testament believer. There may be some overlap, and there is. In fact, nine of the Ten Commandments are brought over into the law of Christ, except one, and that is the law of the Sabbath, because it's not a moral law. It is a a, congr- a congregational law, a ceremonial law. But I digress. We can even see through there in the book of Hebrews that the priesthood changed. There's changes happening in the program of how God deals with his people. Thus, going from only to Israel under the law of Moses to now the birth of the church and how God is dealing with his people now in the church. Spiritual maturity comes by means of the teaching of Christ and the New Testament, not by the means of going back under the Levitical system. 
I think it's worth for us also to read verse 9 in Hebrews 13. He says, Be not carried about with every with with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. No matter how spiritual a movement is, or how spiritual it may appear on the outside, if it goes beyond that which is written, we're to have nothing to do with it. We are to avoid it. And in fact, the best way to not be carried about by diverse and strange doctrines is to be grounded in an understanding of sound biblical doctrine, or to refute false doctrine with sound doctrine. In fact, John himself says something in 2 John verse 9. He says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. That's quite an indictment. If you do not remain in the doctrine of Christ, you do not have God. And then he says, He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. John tells us about that as well in his gospel. In John chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. The doctrine is the Father's. And that's why he's telling us here in 2 John 9 that we need to abide in the doctrine of Christ. And therefore, we'll have both the Father and the Son. It is a sin to go beyond that which is written. And so, in fact, those who try to use verse 8 as a proof text that we should always be having healing ministries and, and deliverance ministries, or that we as New, New Testament believers should be under the law of Moses, are in fact committing verse 9. They are being carried away themselves by diverse and strange doctrines, and they are deceived and being deceived, and they're deceiving others. That's in fact what they're doing. Now we, as New Testament believers, who are concerned with growing mature in Christ and wanting to grow stronger in our understanding of God's Word, well, we need to look at Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 11, he says, of whom we have many things to say that are hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull in your hearing and their understanding. Verse 12, For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat? For every one that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, and there is nothing wrong with being an infant in Christ if, in fact, you are an infant in Christ. If you are a new believer listening to this, then hallelujah, praise God. You are an infant in Christ, and you need to be consuming the milk of the word. But if you've been in Christ and walking in the Lord, and you are not growing spiritually mature by an understanding of his word, then there's a problem. Because he says in verse 14, But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, that are mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Discernment grows by knowledge of God and his word. Philippians 1.9 teaches us that. In fact, it tells us that having real knowledge, which is a knowledge of truth, a knowledge of God, leads to discernment. And with that knowledge of God and that right discernment, because God's word is our discerner, then comes love that abounds. You cannot separate truth and love. 
But notice in verse 14, by reason of use have their senses exercised. We have to use what we're learning. We have to be doers of the word as well. Let us not be those who fail to advance and grow and mature in Christ. Yes, we have to have milk first because we have to have strong bones to be able to put meat on. But when you become a believer, you have to mature. There's an infant in Christ. Then there's a young child in Christ. Then there's a young man in Christ. And then it grows into being a more mature father in the faith. And that's why it's important for us to understand scripture in context. Now, I hope that that was encouraging to you. I hope that you can see that that verse is actually talking about the deity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that the Son of God has always been God and never was he not. But as his person, that did change. The Son of God added to his deity humanity, fully human, fully God. And his program changed how he did things, when he did things, with who he did those things with. That changes throughout the entire Old Testament as well, but it changes even in his own life and ministry, and it changes within the church as well. So his person and his program does indeed change, but his nature, his deity and his eternality does not change. And on that note, I want to invite you to come take a absolutely free mini course that I've taken a few lessons out of our How to Study Scripture course in the online Bible college. I've taken a few of those lessons and I've made them available to you for free. It's called a mini course on how to study scripture. All you have to do to get that is go to our website, philippians19.org forward slash study. And I'll provide a link to that below this teaching as well. But you could just go to our website, philippians19.org forward slash study, and I will send you that free mini course on how to study scripture. Also, if you want to find yourself uh, learning more about why deliverance ministries are unbiblical, and you want to learn the context of Mark 16 verses 14 through 20, where it says they will cast out demons. We also have that available on our website as well, and you can find that under our teachings tab. All right, so I hope that that was encouraging for you. I hope that you you can understand the, the, the biblical context of verse 8. I hope it confirms for you what perhaps you already know. Now, I pray that you will take this teaching and you will share it with others, other brothers and sisters, others that need to hear it. Put it on your social media platforms. Bring it to your your congregation and share it with other people as well. Help us get the Bible in context out to as many people who need to hear it. Well, as always, continue to diligently study God's word and press on in Jesus, and we'll talk soon.